This reading is Luke 10, 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when they saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell to the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay, so who is my neighbour then? Luke says his motivation for asking this question was so that he could justify himself. But remember, this is a lawyer that we're talking about here. He wants to get it right. He wants to be sure that he is in the right when it comes to doing whatever he has to do to inherit eternal life. So he doesn't necessarily ask this from any kind of base motivation, he just needs to know where he stands when it comes to doing the right thing in terms of fulfilling the law. So, to gain eternal life, he has to love God. How does he have to love God? Well, completely and utterly, with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. He understands that. Tick. He also has to love his neighbour. How much does he have to love his neighbour? Well, as much as he loves himself. Okay, he can get that. Tick. Okay, next question. Another question of definition. And who is my neighbour then? I mean, I know it has to mean the person who lives next door, but what about those people I don't quite get on with who live across the road? Are they my neighbours as well? How close does someone have to live to me to be my neighbour? Being a lawyer, he wants a clear definition. Instead of getting a clear definition, Jesus tells him a story. The well-known story of the man who's mugged on his way down to Jerusalem to Jericho and left by the side of the road to die. The first two people to come down that way pointedly ignore the man and his plight. It looks like they even took active steps to avoid having any contact with him. The highway code hadn't been written in those days. There was no need to walk on the same side as the road as the oncoming traffic. There wasn't any traffic anyway. So like most of us walking down a path or a track, they would have been walking down the middle. There's this bloke by the side of the road. They passed by on the other side. They moved to get as far away from him as they could, to leave as much distance between them and him as was possible as they continued their journey and left him behind. And these two men, these two men were pillars of the religious establishment, a priest and a Levite, both of whom had duties to perform at the temple, both of whom devoted their entire lives to loving and serving God. 
We might plead extenuating circumstances for their lack of compassion. If they were on their way to the temple, and we don't know which direction they were travelling in, they would have needed to be ritually pure to perform their duties. And if they touched a dead body, that would make them unclean and unfit for service. Was the man dead or alive? It wasn't altogether clear. But they weren't going to contaminate themselves by touching him to find out. Maybe their religious responsibilities were more pressing than his plight. Maybe they had to be at a certain place at a certain time, and there weren't any mobile phones in those days either. They couldn't call ahead and say they were going to be late, so they had to keep the schedule. They had to to leave him behind and pass on by. And we might go on trying to find reasons to justify their behaviour. But bottom line was these were two pillars of the religious establishment, arguably prime candidates for inheriting eternal life. And they passed the man by on the other side. The man in the ditch was a stranger. They'd never seen him before. They'd never see him again. Was he a neighbour? Well, no, they didn't know him. Didn't know who he was. He, because they didn't need to identify him as a neighbour, according to the letter of the law, they could be completely justified in ignoring him. Is that really right? You can imagine the lawyer turning the question over in his mind. Had they obeyed the commandment to love their neighbour or not? If the injured man was a stranger... Does that mean he wasn't their neighbour and they were okay passing him by? That really doesn't ring true, does it? And so you might say, well, they'd obeyed the letter of the law, but surely, actually, in that situation, they, they should have stopped and helped the injured man, shouldn't they? So where does that leave the legal definition of neighbour? How does that work? Were they obliged to see the man in the ditch as a neighbour, even though he was a stranger, because he was in need? Does the definition of neighbour need to take that into account somehow? Does it need to be revised for cater for situations like this one? Looking at the story as an example of case law, you can see how the lawyer's mind would have run along these lines, okay? What does this have to teach me about who is my neighbour? Are there special circumstances where a stranger might be regarded as a neighbour? But then the story takes a an unexpected and disorientating turn because the next person to come along the road is a Samaritan. No way is this man a candidate for eternal life. Because he was a member of the hated and despised heretical sect of half-breeds who happened to live just over the border to the north and so were actually and quite disconcertingly neighbours to all the good people of Judea. That's a twist in the tale that effectively tasers the lawyer in his attempt to arrive at a clear legal definition of neighbour because never, not in a million years... Would anyone have interpreted the command to love your neighbour as yourself, to love a Samaritan? Samaritans would attack Jewish pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. A few years earlier, Samaritans had defiled the temple in Jerusalem by scattering human remains in its precincts. If you were looking for a definition of someone who was beyond the pale, then you had to look no further than the Samaritans the neighbours and sworn enemies of Orthodox Jews. Yet, it was the Samaritan who stopped and took pity on the man, who poured oil and wine on his wounds, cleaned him up, bandaged him up, put him on his own donkey, took him to the nearest inn, spent the night by his bedside taking care of him. 
Next day, he pays the innkeeper the equivalent of two days' wages to let the injured man stay on and promises to pay anything extra on the bill next time he comes. This is costly compassion to a complete stranger. Days travelling, time lost. Minimum of two days' wages spent. Real sacrifices made because the Samaritan didn't classify the injured man as a stranger to be left, but made himself a neighbour to him. And notice that Jesus is quite specific in what he asks the lawyer. After all, it is a lawyer he's talking to. He doesn't say, which man regarded the injured stranger as a neighbour and helped him on that basis? That's the question you might expect. Instead, he says, which man, which man made himself a neighbour to the person who'd been mugged. In other words, to ask, should I regard such and such a person as my neighbour, is not the right question to ask. The question to ask is, am I going to act as a neighbour to this person, whoever they are? This person whom I don't know. This person with whom I have nothing in common. This person in need. This person who may not even like me very much. This person who is culturally, to all intents and purposes, my enemy. Who this person is doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is, am I going to act as a neighbour towards them? How am I going to engage with them? This is one of Jesus' most radical parables. It's a parable told to a lawyer, a deeply religious person. Half the main characters in the parable, the priest and the Levite, well, they too are also deeply religious people. And the hero of the parable, well, he was a Samaritan. In the eyes of those religious people, he was the equivalent of a modern militant atheist, doing what the religious people should have been doing, and yet weren't doing. And what's more, doing what should be done without thinking about performing, how performing this act of kindness was an expression of his religious commitment, without entertaining the idea that such a deed might in some way secure him the heavenly reward of eternal life. None of that was his motivation. None of that was on his agenda. Secular humanists will often tell Christians, we are better than you because we love our fellow human beings without the prospect of some heavenly reward for doing so, without the idea that God, as some big brother, is monitoring our every move. We just do it out of our hearts. And they have a point. But it's not an original point, because Jesus made it first. In this parable, the archetypal non-religious person does what the religious people should have done and failed to do. The parable functions a bit like a vat of sulfuric acid that burns away all religious pretensions to superiority. And so I fully applaud and endorse everything that Mark Green says on the DVD about looking for opportunities to minister grace and love to other people. I want to say amen. Preach it, brother. And to all of you, I want to say amen. Let's do it. But, and this is the disturbing thing, the fact that he has to be saying this kind of stuff to us as Christians is a measure of how far short we are falling of how we ought to be living. Because we should be doing this kind of stuff anyway. 
Jesus' parable completely subverts the notion that we should love our neighbour or show compassion to the stranger because we are people who believe in God and who want to inherit eternal life. No, the Samaritan does it because the man in the ditch is a fellow human being. And so should we. We're called to do this kind of stuff without a second thought, simply because it's another person. Let's not fall into the trap of thinking that we are somehow better at loving our neighbours because we're Christians. The parable puts such an attitude to shame. So this week, the question we should be asking ourselves is not, well, who is my neighbour then? The question we need to ask ourselves is, who am I going to act as a neighbour to this week? Without pausing to consider too long, how much will it cost me? How much time will it take? What are the potential consequences of doing so? Because the time, by the time we've thought these questions through and worked out the answers, we've left the person by the side of the road far behind us. Mark Green spoke about ministering grace. What is grace? It is undeserved kindness. We believe that God has shown us undeserved kindness. We are called to be people who show undeserved kindness to others as well. So if we weigh up whether the person that we meet is somehow worthy or deserving of the kindness that we could show, we are again asking the wrong question. God calls us to be neighbours to those who cross our path. To be neighbours acting generously and indiscriminately. When we begin to engage with others that way, loving our neighbours as we love ourselves, without a second thought about how or why we do it, then by virtue of being oblivious to such considerations, we really will be children of our Father in heaven. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. Spend a moment in quiet. Lord, that parable makes us disconcertingly aware of just how easy it is for us to be selfish. Because it's a lot easier to keep a safe distance between ourselves and others. Especially those we don't know. And that the commandment says that we should love our neighbour as we love ourselves. All of that desire to keep ourselves safe, to look after ourselves... We're called to extend that to others. Enable us to be outward looking. Lord Jesus, you lived what you taught in practice. We know how much that cost you. And you call us to be people who take up our cross and follow you. Because living your way is costly. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us in grace, generously, 
sacrificially, giving us your undeserved kindness. So fill our hearts with your spirit that we might minister love and grace to those whom we meet and be good neighbours to them. We ask this in your name. Amen.